0: As you know, the position of captain on a National Hockey League team is certainly the most visible of the four major sports, uh, and as a result, often the most accountable. Um, we were very fortunate to have a great captain here for the last few years in Tepo Númenon, but with his departure, we've had to find a new on ice leader. And suffice to say, there are only 30 of these positions in the world. So an organization does not take lightly the appointment of the captain of a hockey club. He is a family man, and he's deeply involved in the community here in Phoenix. Um, he has developed very nicely into a leader on and off the ice. And as a result, we are very, very proud today uh, to announce that Shane Doan is the new captain of the Phoenix Coyotes.
1: The Coyotes' move to Glendale happened the same year the most iconic player in franchise history was named team captain. Shane Doan went on to become the longest-serving NHL captain, having garnered the role from 2003 to when he retired in 2017. He also spent his entire 21-year career with the franchise starting in Winnipeg, and is the only player in franchise history to have his jersey retired. So who could be better to help tell this story than Doner himself?
2: First time I knew that we were moving there, I couldn't believe it because I didn't even know where I thought Glendale was in California. Only Glendale I knew was Glendale, California at the time, and I'd been in the Valley for a while. So <laughs> when we came out here and saw it, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I see where we're at.
1: In this episode, you'll also hear from former head coach Dave Tippett, former general manager Don Maloney, former players Paul Bissonnette and Redeem Verbata former Glendale City spokesperson Julie Frizoni and our own Craig Morgan. I'm your host, Cherson Sousel, and this is PHNX The Story. Before we get back to Shane Doan, I want to help paint a picture of what Glendale, a city about nine miles northwest of downtown Phoenix, was like in the early 2000s. The land where the Arena Entertainment District and Cardinal Stadium across the street now stand was mostly farmland, but Glendale was seeing tremendous growth and it was an exciting time for everyone involved. After all, it was during that time that both the Valley's NHL and NFL teams moved out there, and what could be more exciting than that? Here's Julie Frizoni, who formerly served as the city spokesperson.
3: It seems like a perfect spot and for those people in the West Valley and the Northwest Valley and the Southwest Valley who had been so used to traveling to downtown Phoenix for everything, you know, in terms of events and concerts for the most part, to have a facility and to have a, a world-class state-of-the-art facility that was going to house not only a major sports team, but house concerts and events. At what was going to be or supposed to be the geographic center of town was thrilling. When the Cardinals moved to Glendale uh, several years later after the Coyotes, we actually had a pep rally for them. And at the time, Michael Bidwell said he had never had a community embrace him and come out to this magnitude because there was just so much energy and so much excitement surrounding what was happening in that area.
1: It's also important to note that during this time, the Coyotes in the city of Glendale had a tremendous relationship. From a business standpoint, their partnership was seen as something that was great for everyone for decades to come. Oh, and don't forget Julie's name. It will definitely come up again, and if you haven't already, I suggest you buckle up.
2: It was one of those things that we were excited. They did an amazing job of building the arena. It is such a nice arena. Um, I got to know all the people here over the years. They became part of my family. Like my, my kids grew up in the arena. So, um, but yeah, that first year here it was unique and different. And, Um, It was definitely uh, a different part of the Valley than most of us had never been to before.
4: For the past several years, as flaws in the current economic system have been increasingly difficult to overcome, we at the National Hockey League have done everything possible to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement that would work day in and day out to serve the best interests of everyone involved. Sadly, those efforts have not achieved their objective. And as the league stands at the threshold of the conclusion of the current CBA, which occurs at midnight tonight, it is my somber duty to report that at today's meeting, the NHL Board of Governors unanimously reconfirmed that NHL teams will not play at the expiration of the CBA until we have a new system which fixes the economic problems facing our game.
1: The Coyotes played just one season in Glendale before all the excitement came to a halt with the 2004-2005 NHL lockout.
2: There were some people that were really upset about it, and, um, but the fans of the whole were it was a pretty positive experience for the most part, for, from everything I can remember of it. but It wasn't one of those things that uh, you kind of foresee coming. No one had ever lost a whole year before, and for that to happen, that was tough. That wasn't ideal, but we started the next year and away you went.
1: But the Coyotes didn't simply pick up where they left off. They started the next year with the Michael Jordan of the NHL as their head coach a guy who not only won four Stanley Cup championships, but at the time of his retirement, either held or shared 61 NHL records, many of which he still holds today. The newest head coach of the Phoenix Coyotes was Wayne Gretzky.
0: The great one makes his debut as head coach of the Phoenix Coyotes. He's
2: Wayne Gretzky. I mean, I don't know how, (laughs) it's amazing. When you when you are described by your name, I don't know why. Like that's just like it's just incredible. And um, I have the opportunity to play under him was something that I am very grateful for. And I remember Steven Reinke one time when he got in a little bit of trouble from Wayne, and and this is probably one of the harder parts for Wayne in the situation. And she's like, "Holy cow! I just got yelled at by." Wayne Gretzky and I wore his pajamas and slept in his sheets and had his poster over my bed because I wanted to be Wayne Gretzky. Like, and it was one of those things that it was... And he did. He's still like we all view him in the exact same way still because he is Wayne Gretzky and that's incredible. And um, But yeah, I, I that was probably one of the harder moments and harder things that Wayne had to deal with that no one else could ever fathom or understand because Again, there's no one like him. Boy, Wayne Gretzky is
0: absolutely beside himself, and I don't blame him.
1: A move that was originally viewed as surreal didn't exactly turn out as the team had hoped. Gretzky is perhaps the greatest to ever play the game, but success doesn't always translate when you move over a chair. During his four-year tenure as head coach, there was only a single season in which his team surpassed 500,
0: Wayne Gretzky is the type of person that nobody wants to speak badly about publicly. But the truth is, if you talk to people about what was going on behind the scenes when he was coaching, they had no structure. They had Nobody had a clue what they were doing on the ice. It was a mess.
1: Not to mention, things with Gretzky were a lot more complicated. He was part owner and managing partner of the team when he took over coaching duties. So when Steve Elman decided he no longer wanted to own the NHL team, which eventually led to bankruptcy, Complicated barely scratched the surface.
0: Steve Ellman leaves Jerry Moyes holding the bag, ho- owning the team. Jerry Moyes doesn't want any part of an NHL team, doesn't know what he's doing. So he tries to put the team in bankruptcy.
2: We found out about it in, the, in May of 2009 while we were over at the World Championship. so I was actually with. I think Tip was our coach then. Yeah, I was with Tip. He was an assistant coach in the World Championships when we found out that the team had went into bankruptcy. Don Maloney and I talked about it, and he mentioned that Wayne, the situation with Wayne and the, it had gotten so complicated for Wayne and for everybody involved just because of the bankruptcy that it really there was no other choice for it to happen except for the way it did.
1: So the Coyotes filed for bankruptcy in May of 2009. Gretzky later resigned as coach and director of hockey operations in late September, just a couple of weeks before the start of the 2009-2010 season. Gretzky wrote in a statement that the remaining bidders on the team made it clear he didn't fit into their future plans. So he approached general manager Don Maloney and suggested he begin looking for a new head coach. It's no surprise. Maloney discussed it with the captain.
2: He got talking about some names and he mentioned Dave Tippett's name, and I was like, Oh my goodness, I just had him at the world. And I'm a huge fan, and I'd be that'd be a great choice if there there's any chance we could.
1: Here's Don Maloney's perspective.
5: And the two people that really I was really looking hard at was Peter Labroulette at the time, and really liked Peter and, and and I was looking at him, and I was uh, looking at, at, at Tip, Dave Tifford. And uh, I i actually played very briefly with Tip in Hartford, so I knew him uh, a little bit. Um, and I, I, I just was really impressed with Tip's demeanor. He had a very calm, uh, thoughtful, very, very intelligent. He uh, had real success uh, coaching, in my opinion. Teams were always very disciplined and, and played great defense.
1: Just a few hours after Gretzky resigned, Maloney hired Dave Tippett to be the team's next head coach.
6: I actually didn't get there but the started training camp. There was some stuff that I had to work out with lawyers with the contract and stuff. And I got there about a week left in training camp, and then we, uh, we took off from there.
1: Tippett took over a team that hadn't made the playoffs in six seasons, but provided the group the structure they desperately needed. His leadership translated to immediate success. And during his first year as head coach, the team set a franchise record for most wins and points in a single season and ended that playoff drought. The
7: Coyotes take a one 0 series lead with their first ever victory. There
1: you at go. Jobbing done. But behind the scenes, the Coyotes were still dealing with bankruptcy and a potential relocation. During this time, the league took control of the team.
5: You know, we we were struggling to survive, truthfully. that's uh, There were all kinds of rumblings at that time. This team was going to relocate to Winnipeg. At one point, uh, we had a number of different uh, people came in to look at the franchise. I met probably half a dozen prospective ownership groups that would come in and talk and talk about different things. And uh, so it was really more survival mode for me.
0: Every year there was a different rumor. Like First it was they're going to Winnipeg until the Thrashers ended up relocating there from Atlanta. Then they were going to Quebec. Then it was, I'm trying to remember the order of these things. They were supposedly going to Las Vegas. They were supposedly going to Seattle. Um, Portland was in there and Portland actually almost happened. Um, Kansas City. I can keep rattling off. Of course, Houston is the latest rumor to jour, but these things were dogging them. Like even during playoff runs, there were reporters from Winnipeg or Quebec that would come here to cover the team in the playoffs thinking, this is going to be our team next year.
1: Here's former Coyote turned media personality, Paul Bissonnette.
7: Well, I do remember when there were these potential owners and we ended up meeting them for dinner in Chicago at one point. So yeah, there were there were definitely some bizarre conversations and, and bizarre information that we were receiving about what was going to eventually end up happening. That's why when people tell me something's going to happen now, I say, <laughs> pump the brakes. I'll believe it when I actually see it, right? And I, I tend to try not to get myself too worked up because we would do so in, in the past a lot. But uh, it was more of like, hey, guys, this is our reality.
1: One of the things I found bizarre was that the team was having dinners with potential owners. Shane Doan shared his stories of that.
2: Yeah. And there was an element of that. I, I remember a couple of different times we met with a couple of different groups and they'd be like, why, why do you think it could work here? And I'm like, all oh, right, yep. Here, let's go give you the pitch and tell you why. And, and then, yeah, we went out as a team a couple of times. And then um, because we were in a unique situation with the league and the league was, you know, we had the league talk to us, player. they had times where we'd sit and talk with the league and, as a, as a player, you get to understand you're kind of brought in a little bit more into the business side.
1: So while all this was going on, the Coyotes were in the midst of their most successful stretch in franchise history. Three straight trips to the playoffs and their first and only conference finals appearance in 2012.
7: We did really use that to galvanize the group. I think everybody was just so sick and tired of hearing as that as like the the insult and maybe the weight to bring us down where we'd heard enough of it.
2: What I remember is that we had a bunch of veteran guys on the team. <laughs> like we had, you know, Ray Whitney and Damon Lanco and Derek Morris and Adrian McCoy. We had a bunch of, you know, Michael Roosevelt. We had a bunch of guys on that team that were veteran guys that stepped in and played huge roles for us and were really good for us. And uh, And then the way the city got around us I mean those those games and the down the stretch. I think we won the last five games in a row to win the division. Mike Smith was as good a goaltender and the good a goaltending performance as you will ever see in hockey. I don't care what anyone says.
0: Oh what a save! Unbelievable glove save by Smitty.
7: Tip had said, "Listen, I worked with this guy in Dallas. I think he's got he could have a second coming in his career." And I think this is the place that he could do it. And then and vouched, and then him and Tip worked together to sign Mike Smith. And then we, you know, we kind of bring it to that next level. So that's why I always compliment them both. When we talk about that period of time and those runs, like one of the things that when you, I knew I was going to be joining you was how well that Donnie and Tip really worked together despite having really an owner to work with. Like I remember them having to go to the league to see, hey, can we fit these players that we want to trade for to make an even bigger stab at playoffs? Can we work this in our budget? And the budget wasn't that big. And I remember them finding ways to get around it.
1: It started with the work and leadership from Don Maloney, Dave Tippett, and Shane Doan.
6: I mean, if there's one guy that, uh, you know, the Valley owes for keeping this franchise here and keeping in afloat, flow of shame. I mean, he, uh, he's poured his heart and soul into this and, and still does to this day. And, um, you know, he, he was a hard, strong player out on the ice. I and mean, he was a mean bugger out on the ice. But off the ice, he was the ultimate gentleman and, and one of the greatest leaders I've ever been around.
1: The team came together during times of adversity putting the Coyotes in a position to make a run towards the Cup, which ignited fans here in the Valley like they hadn't seen since the team first moved to the desert.
7: The great fans in Phoenix who believe it could happen, it has. And now they go to a place they've never been.
1: The famous whiteout crowds were back.
2: I remember when we got back to
6: Phoenix, you know, there were people uh, at the airport waiting for us. I still have like a video so, of, of that, you know, when, when, we, when we arrived and, and, uh, and,
7: then, and then we had that run. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think people really enjoyed us. You're leaving in your cars and they got signs and it's still 1.30 in the morning. You felt like a rock star. There's no really other way to describe it. All of a sudden, we're making the cup run where people care about the, the team and, and you know, we're the talk of the town. So, it, it, you know, it, it was definitely a whirlwind.
6: Everybody kind of jumped on board in a non-hockey market in and in a very non-hockey climate at that time of the year. It was it was so much fun to be around. Our players really enjoyed it. That support really pushed our group along. Like, that was a. That was, uh, there's still people ask me today about, you know, the memories they have of, of that playoff run and how much fun they had. So it was, uh, you know, it was a great experience, not just for the fans, but for coaches and players alike.
1: In typical Coyotes fashion, their on-ice success didn't last. After their trip to the conference finals in 2012, their momentum came to an end with another NHL lockout.
2: We kind of had our run and we'd and everyone was kinda of excited and we were kinda of going in the right direction and we're locked out again. And it's like, yeah, really? come on, we just we just kinda of built some momentum here and we're going in the right direction and we were all excited. We had Smitty and we were going to, you know, we thought we had a legitimate shot to be, you know, a contender for a couple of years in a row there um the lockout came and kinda of the the ownership came in and a few things changed. It was what it was.
1: The Coyotes would wait another seven years before returning to the playoffs, ending their postseason drought when they made it to the 2020 playoffs bubble in Edmonton, where they lost to the Avalanche in the first round.
4: Today is about starting over. Today is about turning our collective focus to the strong future of the Coyotes here in Arizona and to finally stop talking about ownership questions.
1: In the meantime, the Coyotes found a new owner in 2013. Ice Arizona bought the team from the NHL and entered into a 15-year, $225 million lease agreement with the city of Glendale. If all parties had upheld their end of the agreement, they'd still be under it now, here in 2022. But just a couple years into the deal, there was one side that was willing to do just about whatever it took to get out of it. And the consequences were disastrous for the relationship between the Coyotes and the city they called home.
3: It was their last desperation move to see what they might be able to do to get themselves out of that contract. So they made up a story. They absolutely blatantly lied.
0: We'll probably never know the actual truth. It's just one side says one thing, one side says the other. What troubles me in all of this, knowing the history the way I know it, is lately the national media has been painting Glendale as this victim and and you know, oh my god, look at what the coyotes have done on the backs of Glendale taxpayers. Wow, just you know, read some history.
6: Not only you know have they been slow to pay us, but they hadn't been paying the state cell tax. And yet it it was all it was always the the Glendale got portrayed by management and ownership of the coyotes as being the you know, the bad person in this relationship where I think, you know, our citizens should be, you know, deserve a big thank you from the hockey community for at least keeping hockey here in this state as long as it has.
2: When I came back, it was because I'm like, you know what, I want to help. I want to find a way to make this thing kind of the way that we all think it can be. And, and, and it's not just me, it's the whole group of us that are part of the system here. And part of the, the the fabric of what makes the coyotes the coyotes, and some people say that's the definition of insanity, right? Trying to do the same thing over and over and over again, getting them, you know, thinking the results will change. But I'm hopeful.
1: That's next on the story.